Okay, so we are doing the portion of Achremos. This is Thursday's section. And we're discussing here, of course, all the various offerings. So we are in chapter 17, verse 8. And to them you shall say, Any man of the house of Israel and of a convert who will dwell among you will offer an Ola offering, completely burnt, or a sacrifice of a peace offering. So what are we discussing here? So Rashi explains we're talking about the idea of someone who's offering an offering outside the temple grounds. Now this specific verse is clarifying that if someone burns the limbs or the organs of the offering outside the grounds of the temple, he is as liable to punish him like someone who slaughtered the offering outside the grounds of the temple. So if one person slaughtered and the other person cut it up, both of them are completely liable. So when we're looking here in our verse, any man of the house of Israel and of the convert who will offer the Ola offering or the sacrifice of the peace offering, who offer here doesn't mean slaughtering. We already spoke previously in these verses about the prohibition against slaughtering offerings outside the courtyard. So this who will offer refers to offering up the limbs and organs on an altar, which is what we're saying, the additional uh, prohibition of this verse. And he will not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to perform its service to God. That man should be cut off from his people. So this person who does this, either the person who slaughtered the offering outside the temple or in our verse here, the person who cut up and offered up in the fashion the limbs the organs of the animal as an offering, he is going to be punished by being cut off. What's the name being cut off? So Rashi said his seed is cut off, which means his children shall die. Um, according to the Taisus, this means specifically young children. Um, but others say, the question is, is that what Rashi feels? Does Rashi feel his children will die as young children? Many of the commentators on Rashi feels that Siwakroff Rashi holds as young children, but others disagree and say that Rashi also feels adult children are included. If God forbid an adult loses an adult child, it's your seed being cut off. And not only that, but an additional aspect of this idea of being cut off, besides your children, God forbid, dying before you, is that the person himself dies prematurely. You can see it's a very, very big penalty attached to this transgression. <laughs> any man of the house of Israel and of the convert who dwells among them who will consume any blood, I shall direct my face upon the soul consuming the blood, and I will cut it off from its people. Now, what are we discussing here? Because it says, as we're going to read in the next verse, we're talking about the soul atones for the soul. So you could think that this person is only liable for consuming the blood of the animals that are dedicated as offerings because that's the blood that brings atonement, which seemingly is the point of the next verse. But that's not true. Any blood is what we're discussing here. And that's why the verse says, any man will consume any blood. 
any blood to broaden it that we're not it's not exclusive to this type of animal or to this type of blood. Any blood is something that God's going to turn his face, as Rosh explains, turn his attention, so to speak, from everything else to focus on this person. And of course, Rosh has to clarify what this means by turning his face, because turning his face could, God's facing you and looking at you, that could have a very positive connotation. So obviously, therefore, Rashi has to explain that we're not talking about the smiling countenance of God, but God's intention. For the soul of the flesh is in the blood, and I have assigned it to you, for you upon the altar to write atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that atones for the soul. So that's why it's very clear, based on this verse, that one would assume that the blood we're talking about is the blood of animals that are dedicated for sacrificing to God. And that's why Rosh has to clarify that it means any animal. So Rashi says what it says, for the soul of the flesh is in the blood. The soul of flesh is in the blood. This is true for every creature. Every creature depends on its blood for its life. So that's why I'm saying that what are you supposed to do with this blood which represents life? Put it on the altar to atone for your life. In other words, as if the soul of the animal, because the animal's life is attached to its blood, so the soul of the animal is coming, it's being put on the altar, and atoning for the soul of man. And therefore, it shouldn't be used in another way, such as being consumed, God forbid, by a person. This verse is, is a verse that's expounded upon in Hasidic thought, the soul of the flesh is in the blood. To speak of actually the location of the animal's soul, it being connected to the blood and the life flow and the vitality of the person, all of which ultimately, of course, are supposed to be a transfer point from the blood through the animal soul to be lodged by the godly soul in one service of God. Next verse. Therefore, I have said to the children of Israel, any person from among you may not consume blood. And the commerce who dwells among you may not consume blood. So Rashi says, why are we saying here any person from among you is actually written in this fashion to warn adults that they have to be careful with a minor that they also will not end up consuming any blood. In other words, the verse could have said, you shall not eat any blood. Any person among you should not eat blood is giving this implication that any person among the people of the Jews, even minors, cannot eat blood, and that is the responsibility of adults to make sure that doesn't happen. Any man of the children of Israel and of the convert who dwells among them who will chop a catch of a beast or a bird, maybe eaten, she pour its blood and cover it with earth. So here we have an additional commandment here. Besides the fact you can't eat the blood, we also have the commandment here when one slaughters the animal to cover the blood. That's actually one of the explanations, uh, a custom that many have for Yom Kippur is to do what we call kaparas, which could be done with money, could be done with fish, but customs do it with a white chicken, and the chicken gets slaughtered after the prayers are said. And some say the whole purpose of this 
is that a regular person who doesn't usually have opportunity to do this commandment can fulfill this commandment of covering the blood with earth. And that way he's going into Yom Kippur with this very important commandment that would generally not be applicable to most people besides, besides slaughterers, as a shayfet, that every person here that does this tradition of the kaparos, this minhag, Jewish custom, is going to hopefully cover the blood of the earth and do this commandment, as we're discussing in this verse. The verse said, any man who will trap a catch of a beast or a bird. So trapping and then telling us that you're supposed to cover the blood implies that when you cover the blood, when you trapped an animal. But what about domestic animals? Uh, a chicken. Chickens are already considered trapped. You're not trapping them. So that's why it says trap a catch. A catch meaning this word to trap the catch, which seeming a catch is like an extra necessary word. It's talking about animals that don't need to be actually hunted. They, it's a catch. They're allowing themselves to be caught. So from that we learn from the extra word that in any situation when you trap and slaughter an animal, you have a special commandment to cover the blood with earth. But then by that question you could say, wait a minute. So why does it say trap? Since it says trap a catch, I know it's not only when you trap it, it's any animal. So then what are we saying trap at all? So that teaches actually a different concept, which is you shouldn't eat meat without this type of preparation, meaning you shouldn't eat meat regularly. It should be something that you view that you trapped, meaning something not readily attainable. It shouldn't be your, your regular fair meat. Our sage John consider that like more coarse and heavy, so to speak, more animalistic, not something they want to see on a regular basis. Now, the verse also said another seemingly unnecessary word. You're trapping the cat. Tell me understand why it says the cat. Tell me understand why it says trap. Of a beast or bird that may be eaten. Why does it say that may be eaten? Because this is to exclude non-kosher animals. And if you, for some reason, slaughtered a non-kosher animal, there's no commandment, and you could not do this, it would be a violation, to make this special blessing covering the blood of that animal with earth. Only kosher animals. For the life of any flesh is its blood, represents its life. So I say to the children of Israel, you should not consume the blood of any flesh. The life of any flesh is its blood. Whoever consumes it will be cut off. So the blood is serving in the role of its life because the life depends on it. In other words, what Rashi is saying here is the blood represents its life. So what does it mean, the life of any flesh is its blood? The life, here we're saying, of the person is in the blood. That's interesting here. Kinefesh kolbasar damo hi. So the word blood and the word flesh are masculine. It says, Damo, he. It's blood, she is. She is. Dam and Basar are masculine. Why does it say he? She is. It should say who? He is. So Rashi clarifies, because it's not referring to the flesh and the blood, which are masculine, but it actually refers to the life. Life is a feminine term. So the life, Parenthetically, 
of the flesh of the blood. She is. Because the life is a feminine. Any person will eat that which died or was mauled, a citizen or a convert, is immerse his garments and immerse himself in the water, shall remain impure until evening, and then become pure. So what we're talking about here is someone who would eat something that was kosher, like a kosher bird, but it was not slaughtered. They didn't go through the proper slaughtering, the ritual shechita process. Now, if this is an unslaughtered carcass of a kosher bird, it's not giving you impurity, except you swallow it. In other words, when you eat it, that's when it creates this impurity. But if you weren't eating it, but there's a kosher bird that was killed and is lying on the street and you move it away and you're just touching it, it doesn't that make you impure. So what, when we're looking here at the words, it's interesting because Again, see when we have this extra word in the Hebrew, it says if you're going to eat a nevela or a trefa. So nevela means an animal that died. So that's the whole point. You're eating an animal that died. It's kosher, but there was no ritual slaughtering. There was no shechita, so that's the problem. So if so, what do I need the trefa? We can't say it was mauled. But the reason why we have that is because you might think that the unslaughtered carcass of a non-kosher bird creates this impurity when you're eating it. So that's why the verse doesn't only use the word nevela, something an animal died, but also trefa, because the concept of trefa is only in kosher animals. In a non-kosher bird, there is no concept, halakhically, legally speaking, of a trefa, a mauled animal. And therefore, that word trefa is actually handing to me talking about kosher animals. But if he does not immerse his garments and does not immerse his flesh, he shall bear his sin. Which means, as explains, if he's going to eat something that was holy, he would suffer courage, being cut off, as we explained earlier. Your children dying before you and the person dying prematurely like any other impurity. In other words, on the surface, it's not, it's not, the offense doesn't seem to be having such weight and punishment. But if you don't do the procedure to purify yourself, then there would be this tremendous consequence if one then went into a holy place, like the temple, or ate something holy, like a sacrifice offering, then there'd be this tremendous, tremendous consequence for not having done these simple rituals to create spiritual cleansing. Now within this, Rashi clarifies, again, in terms of he's going to bear his sin, if he doesn't immerse his body, he personally doesn't go to the mikvah, and he's going to get this horrific punishment of karit, and he goes to a holy place like the temple, or eats from the offering, he's punished by karit, premature death of the children dying. If he didn't immerse his garments, in other words, he immersed himself, he immerse his garments, then it's a much lighter offense of lashes. 